What's up, everybody? Welcome to the anime podcast of some sort. I'm David, and this is my co-host, Jack. Say hi, Jack. Hi, Jack. Anyway, I'm glad to be back. This is a, a very unusual time for us to record, but I'm very, very happy that we're here and we're making it and that I can appear for this week. Yes. Yes. I'm excited. Yes. I am too. I'm always excited to talk about anime and games and stuff with you, Jack. You know that. I'm, I'm always happy to do that with you. But this time, Jack, we actually have someone else along with us on the old APOS. So without further ado, I'm very happy to welcome and announce uh, you see him most likely on Twitter giving you all sorts of interesting things to talk about. In your quotes, uh, with your fo- top five of various things, uh, at Senpai Notes, the one and only John Clark. John, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you, thank you. This is my this is my uh, first time doing something like this. Um, oh, I've never really thought myself podcast as- baby. Yeah, yeah, no. Uh, well, I mean, I, I I recorded one that I have not yet finished uh, editing. Um, so so that. Aside, this is my first time, uh, especially being a guest on on one. Um, I never really thought of myself as that that big of a deal. Um, in in July of uh, July of 2017, I had but 400 followers on uh, on Twitter, and uh, I kind of exploded ever since I started doing those top five things, which was you know, it was just my way of. I like hearing whatever pe- what what other people think, so. Uh, and, um, well, now that you're here on the podcast, you're going to be the one doing all the talking. <laughs> it's, it's a hell of a lot of fun to do those top fives as well. I, I highly recommend checking those out. And, and uh, you can get really interesting conversations throughout it. So I would give that a, uh, a thumbs up for sure. Go and do it. It's a lot of fun. I agree. But for now, we're we're going to keep it a little cash, as they say, and uh, just throw it around for a little bit and just see what y- you guys are into lately. Since since we last did the podcast, Jack, I know you've been playing Cuphead <laughs> and you've been doing some. Oh, yeah. Things. So what's been going on with you, Jackson? Oh, no, I've just been playing Cuphead. <laughs> Honestly, okay. just that and drawing. Um, but I, I do just want to say that um, for those of you who might have been on the fence the last time that uh, we spoke about it on the podcast, I, I just say right now that uh, ignoring nostalgia for things like, you know, Yoshi's Island, other SNES classics that I enjoy, things like that, and even some recent releases that were a lot of fun for me, I would say that Cuphead is single-handedly the best game out of all of those favorites of mine that I've ever played. It is exquisite drawn great design great soundtrack as uh as david now knows because i I shared it with him and uh it it controls just as it needs to it is perfect if you've ever looked at the clips and went i bet they sacrificed the the programming for the the visuals no they did not and i just say right now it's the best 20 you'll ever spend uh game wise I've been really enjoying it. Did find out just today, thanks to David, that they did go platinum. And uh, I I hope that they use that money for champagne and hookers for, for quite some time. It has really been uh, an absolute treat and a blast. And uh, I just say to the people who are having some difficulty with it, uh, not to sound elitist or anything, but simple modes probably as unsatisfying as you are in bed. So I'd get good. I know we've said that previously, but please get good. 
Good, good. Well, Jack, it would appear as though uh, 999,999 other people have decided that that one guy that wasn't very good at Cuphead and couldn't get very far because of the difficulty uh they they all along with you pretty much disagreed with him because yes cuphead went platinum uh just as i saw today it has actually sold over one million copies so well done to the folks at studio mdhr well done congratulations to them they've been a huge inspiration to me honestly uh because i don't don't think I'd be accomplishing what I am accomplishing for this month uh, without, you know, their their inspiration of we're going to be insane and take a drastic scale of hand drawn uh, analog animation, audio recording, everything to the biggest extreme we possibly can. I think without them inspiring me, I wouldn't have, uh, you know, a small handful of people also telling me, hey, you're inspiring me to write, draw, do this kind of stuff like it's you know it's it's paying it forward i think and that's just what i think the most awesome part of the experience has been so far for sure the lane the lane ethos uh, everything is connected yes <laughs> it absolutely inspiration is breeds inspiration and one other thing cuphead was not what the kids call a triple a game release and in less than a month, it has sold over 1 million copies. That's, that's a pretty good bank for a small indie company, I'd say. So again, congratulations to Studio MDHR for the success of Cuphead and well deserved. And do not be uh, surprised yes. to see Cuphead on quite a few game of the year lists as 2017 comes to a close. Uh, John, what have you mm-hmm. been up to lately? Well, the first thing I, I want to say is like uh, the uh, Cuphead sounds analogous in, in its uh, indie origins and its uh, exploded, explosive uh, perception. It, it sounds analogous to uh, this year's uh, Kimono Friends, who uh, who has been celebrated recently because of their, or uh, been mourning re- recently because of the the passing of uh, Grape Coon, the penguin that that fell in love with the uh, the cardboard cutout of the character from that show. Aww. That was well, incredibly fascinating. It, it is. It has been a fascinating social phenomenon. I have not finished the series yet, but um, it's on my to-do list. Uh, but yeah, anyway, back to what Would I. Would you I, recommend I, it to? Uh... It depends. You know, it's extremely bizarre. It is an extremely bizarre show. Um, <laughs> I like bizarre. You can ask David. Here's a here's a line from the show. Uh, is it a bus now? Did we make a bus? <laughs> um, yeah, we, we can agree on uh, a post that uh, David and I both know that 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 kind of thing is definitely ninety percent of the things that make me laugh in anime. So yeah. check it out. And 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 I'll yeah. tell you now the the wheels on that bus do not go round and round. Uh, <laughs> I'm, out. I'm out. Forget it. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was going to say uh, I was intrigued, but never mind. Aww. Yeah, but it, it, it's the most interesting part of it for me has been watching uh, the, the way other people uh, have been interacting with it. You know, it's it's really inspired a quite a a, a rabid fandom or and, and not just a rabid fandom, but a, uh, you know, critical reception of uh, 
it's been highly praised among uh, among many that uh, even I, I respect. And so, and it is it is bizarre, uh, which is always interesting for me. Um, well, but yeah. we we go ahead, go ahead. Sorry, or, or you go, you go. Um, I was gonna say we definitely appreciate bizarre here, and I'm gonna talk about that in a minute. Um, <laughs> but I wanted to say. Given the what's going on with me is uh, a lot of people know I host another podcast called It's in Season with Cody and Shay, and I was looking at the fall anime season like we do, and this was undoubtedly the toughest time I had to pick for shows that I'm going to watch this season for Mm -hmm. the exact opposite reason you usually get with anime. As I've said, the fall 2017 season, there are so many shows that all look really good. And mm-hmm. I have narrowed it down to five for myself personally. And for the first time on its in season, we're doing three shows to review instead of our normal two. Just because we all had so many that we all agreed on. Mm-hmm. And we had so many that we all liked and was like, well, I like this too. I like this too. No, I was going to watch that one too. And it all worked out. So it had just ended up with being, we're going to watch another show and review them all together. And they're all legally available, which was always great. And mm-hmm. I'm really, I'm really excited for the fall season and doing it in season. And Jack, you and I, we each have our percentage of just how much anime is crap or not. I usually somewhere am somewhere in between 70 and 75. Jack, oh, yeah. I know you're cl- I know you're closer to 90 or so. Uh, it depends John, on my mood. <laughs> right, right, right. And John, uh, I'm saying that right now I'm really high on anime this season. Where where are you at right now? What are you watching? <laughs> I this am season? Yeah, no, I am I'm really intrigued by the, the season it's it's really good uh, so here's what i've started so far um land of the lustrous which is another entirely cg almost entirely cg production it has some hand-drawn um expressions i believe uh and that that that's been my favorite premiere of of the season so far I, i've watched the first two episodes and it's wonderful um uh, let me think uh Inuyashiki, which which premiered the other day which is uh extremely intriguing um i can't i don't know it's about an old man that gets superpowers and it's it's extremely uh it's and it's got some cg uh you know uh integrated into it i think i'll be keeping up with it and the premiere uh was it was an emotional experience for me uh i don't know it's because if it's because i cared for my grandfather while he uh while he was aging in, in our own home or if it was, um, or if it's for some other reason, but the, the experience of, of, of the, the elderly protagonist in that show was something I thought was uh, spectacular, spectacularly, uh, conveyed. Uh, I believe that the writer of the, of the, the mangaka who, uh, who's responsible for the source material was, uh, also did Gantz, which I've heard, Mixed things about. Um, mixed I have not watched it myself. 
Yeah. Uh, I will say, John, in my case, uh, one being the giant sci-fi nerd that I am, uh, also with it being an, an older protagonist, I went so far as to say on the last episode of It's In Season, I took a giant, giant plunge. And I, like a few others, maybe not many, but a few, decided to do the thing and I actually bought and paid for Anime Strike to watch Inuyashiki. Mm-hmm. Because this is one show that I have been really interested in since I first saw the trailer for it. And when I got to see the first episode uh, for free, uh, I, I saw that it was on Anime Strike. And it was just like, well, I'm I'm going to do it. You always want to support the industry however you can, and I decided, okay, Anime Strike, uh, you haven't had the the best luck with the anime community so far, but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a shot. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, I'm I'm really high on the fall 2017 season right now. Yeah. Um, also. I- Go ahead. I have. Oh, I was gonna say, I have a few others that I'm watching. I, I'm uh, Urahara, which is on Crunchyroll. It's a. Uh, uh, I've described it myself as as being uh, cute girls doing cultural things. It's like a magical girl show, but uh, oddly, you know, they they use the word culture like 20 times in the in, in the premiere, and it's about aliens that are coming after, basically trying to appropriate human culture, and so. Uh, and it's extremely bizarre, uh, as as many of the shows I love. It reminded me a lot of Flip Flappers from from uh, the fall 2016 season. Um, and uh, it's uh, it, I don't know. It, it's it's well, it's I think it's a joint project with Crunchyroll. Um, okay. Anyway, it's a fun time uh, for me. the The direction is is kind of out of this world. Reminds me a bit of Hidamari Sketch because it's got a bit of the wide face. Uh, another one I'm watching is uh, Girls Last Tour, which is um, which is uh, also on Anime Strike, and is another ma- manga adaptation. Uh, I- I'm I'm through the first two episodes on that one. Uh, once I finish the first season, I'm definitely going to watch uh, March Comes in Like a Lion. S- studio Shaft is is by far my favorite uh, anime studio. They- they've they're responsible for many of my all-time favorites, the Monogatari series, Madoka Magica, um, uh, Effa Tale of Memories, uh, and Melodies, uh, Sasami-san, Akkonbar, and I, the list goes on. I, I love, and Hidamari Sketch, uh, I, I love Studio Shaft. Um, and okay. I think their direction works well for, and there are others, but, you know, the, I, I think I'll probably be actually covering them on my own blog this season, so... It's always nice cool. to hear another man show his appreciation for Shaft. I couldn't help myself. Don't ever <laughs> change. That's why I have you on this podcast. Don't you change a thing. Uh-huh. You know I love you. Don't, don't change a thing. <laughs> but so I do yourself. have something. I, I do have something just for you, Jackson. I, oh, I yes. have some fresh, tailor-made hype. Uh, going to uh, an old throwback from the A3K days, it's time for the old JoJo's Bizarre Adventure drinking game. Because JoJo! I'm give, uh, all of the old school fans and listeners out there, 
here is your opportunity to drink because we're going to bring it back. We're going to keep it local here for your old boy DJM. Yomacon is coming. Of course, I'm talking about the yearly anime convention right here in my hometown of Detroit, Michigan. That happens right around Halloween weekend or the first weekend of November, and I am super duper hyped for it. It's it's a big convention. It's right in my hometown. I love big cons. I get a chance to go totally crazy. I have a cosplay that is actually a meme cosplay. I'm going full internet shitlord, and I'm going to be a meme cosplay i'm not gonna tell you what it is you'll see it because i'm working on doing something for apos live at yomacon baby because it's it's detroit it's not that far from my house so i can move things with so i can bring some equipment and it's been a while since you've seen your boy DJM drunk on a podcast during a convention. It's It's been far too long, so maybe it's time to do something like that for Yomacon. But Jack, one thing mm-hmm. about Yomacon in recent years is that as far as getting guests to come to the convention, it's been a bit subpar until now. Because just today it was announced that their final guest for this convention will be someone that you're particularly familiar with, Jackson. Mr. Junichi Hayama, the man that is credited for his work as director and chief animation director for JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Phantom Blood. What do you have to say about that, Jackson? I'm I'm so excited for you. Um I know from personal experience now just that I am not much of an approaching guest people, but I definitely have, you know, partaken in the past of uh, enjoying what they have to say at panels after the convention is over. Because as as you know, as as I seem to have made a bit of an influence on you, is that 90% of the reason I go to conventions is to show off my handiwork and to see others' handiwork. Uh, and then I did break that uh, chain to go to Josh Petersdorf uh, at SAC Summer just last month but for you uh if that is something that you would think about uh hanging out to to stick around for i would be very excited to hear what you think and if not then you know there's always youtube because somebody will be there with a camcorder you can better believe it and uh, this is and i guarantee that it will probably be a couple of friends of mine because i know more than a few friends of mine are just over Uh the moon about this announcement Thank goodness. The fact that it's, of course, it is the mighty JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. And one, it's an international guest. It's a guest from Japan. That that alone is huge. And just because I think, you know, when it's those coming weeks right before a convention and everyone you know that is going to the convention is just like, Ugh. It's like a, a, it's almost a constant rush of a little bit of adrenaline and just a little bit of misery that the con isn't here yet. Uh, I think me and a lot of my friends here locally have, have reached that point where we're all getting a little antsy for Yomacon because the, I know the guy that's going to be running the game room and a few of the tournaments. Uh, I have some friends that are on the staff. And, of course, everyone I know that's going to be there, we're all just kind of like, let's go. 
<laughs> it's Yomacon. We're we're just we're just dying for it. I'd say from it, the cosplaying I'm... perspective that the whirring of sewing machines the night before would definitely beg to differ for the let's go, but the excitement still remains, even if or, the or time that will Thursday not evening when you reach the hotel room. And oh, you're yeah. still sewing in the hotel room. Yep, that's happened more than once. Uh, it's a good thing I decided to just take the thrift store approach. I'm gonna <laughs> say I'm doing. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> Go ahead, John. I gotta say, a little part of me dies inside every single time I see somebody recommend JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, and then tell the person they're recommending it to 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 skip Phantom Blood. Oh my gosh! Yes, can we explain? Can I express right now that? Phantom Blood, honestly, if someone doesn't want to get into a whole big thing with JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, because let's be honest with ourselves, it's a lot of stuff. It's mm-hmm. it, it's not nearly like One Piece level, but there's a lot of parts to it, and there's a lot that you have to keep in mind and keep track of. I always recommend to people, look, we'll watch Phantom Blood. If you want to watch more after that, that's fine. If you don't, I totally understand. Because that's- Phantom Blood is the most self-contained, goddammit! Yeah, no, that's the perfect approach. You know, you, you, you get... You get Hammond, and uh, I, I I miss Hammond. You know, I have to say. So Honestly. Jack, John, as someone who has only dipped his toe in the waters of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, what would you say to me in regards to Phantom Blood? What would you say? Um, uh, yeah, I'll let you, I'll let you go first, John. Yeah. Uh, pluck is what I would say. I don't know. It's just good. It's just it's just it's just a good time. You know. Uh, I can even lift this rock. It's got so many great moments. Uh, it's just the dog, uh, Dio, Jonathan. Jonathan just stars the the, the goody goody of, of of the of, of the JoJo's, um, which is makes him the most relatable for me. Um, he, he's not like uh, you know uh, his he's not like you know Jotaro who 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 calls his mother you know profane names. Uh, it. He's my favorite JoJo personally. Uh, maybe after Joseph, because I, I love Joseph. But um, jo- jo- Jonathan Joestar is, is is the most relatable for me, and and he's got you know that you get uh, Speedwagon narrating. It's just it's all the classic stuff. I mean, and I'd say looking at it from an outsider's perspective, David. Uh, this is something that I think if if you were really determined, if you wanted to give it a shot, I'd say. Uh, you know, sit down, maybe grab a friend, get some libations, and just sit back and chill and watch what I would I would compare Western-wise to the first Evil Dead movie. It's got a lot of silly moments in some what might seem inopportune, but they work really thematically well. Uh, a nice classic struggle behind uh, a really just irredeemable, horrible, evil human being. and uh, Not even human... It well starts out human. Uh, yeah. Really excellent. Uh, you know that good boy, golly gee, he's sure gonna go and make sure he never bets on the horses. Kind of protagonist. It's it's a very it, for 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 Phantom Blood. It is honestly like I, I said it before. It's the most self contained. Is you can watch it. You can watch up to the end where with the conclusion, and you can basically walk away from it saying I basically watched a three hour. Uh, segmented movie and it's definitely not as crazy batshit as separate uh, parts are like it doesn't have 
all of the flashbang like uh, Stardust Crusaders has. And you can get invested in that. And it's very easy to with the way that they have the battle sequences pan out. But uh, you don't have to sit there and go, okay, so this happened in part one. And then that happened in battle tendencies. This, I would say, David, if, if, if you never touch Jojo again, I'd say maybe give that a shot, you know, and it's, it's getting, it's getting that October season, you know, the skeleton wars oh, breaking yeah. out on Tumblr again. I'd say, you know, sit back, grab a friend, grab some drinks and some noms and, you know, treat yourself as they say in the old country. It was it was this time of last year that I that I that I that I picked up JoJo. So and it was it was very appropriate for the season. I I, I do agree. Yes, and and it just it the the this what they've done. I think Junichi Hayama needs to just. I I would ha- be happy to go there, uh, and I will check out um, whoever is going to be recording the panel with him because he did a great job it looks fantastic you know everybody's put a lot of work into it and making it look decent unlike the previous animated uh attempts to animate jojo colors composition the stills of the characters the art itself everything is fantastic so it 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 definitely is a visual treat um all right I'd say I'd say yes, and we both talked about Castlevania Netflix on this uh, show, and I'd say it's it'd be fairly similar if again you took kind of that Evil Dead twist to it, because there are some there are some laugh out loud moments, and they can be very silly and exaggerated with a lot of the situations. You know what it is? That's what I was thinking of, because it wasn't just Evil Dead that I wanted to compare this to. Is the very beginning with, oh, jo- Jonathan's such a good boy. He's mm-hmm. such a good boy. He's 12 years old, clearly. is It reminded me of the fucking Dover Boys. <laughs> that, that, that Chuck Jones cartoon. <laughs> Let us draw the curtain on this sordid scene. <laughs> well, I'm glad you mentioned Castlevania, because uh, n- now I'm gonna <laughs> n- now I'm gonna hang on that. I will, you know what? I'm going to try before the convention because it's only about two weeks away. I will check out JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Phantom Blood, and then after Yomacon on the next day, Poss, I'll get back with you, Jackson. I'll All get back right. with you on that one. Yay! With the I, I, I like to close it. Postmortem. Close it with one, one quote from uh, uh, blogger Nick Creamer Bobbed on, on, on Twitter. Uh, he, he One uh, thing he said about about JoJo's and and I think the other one was Code Geass he was talking about and it was a uh, that popcorn is an art form too and I think that is that is very true of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. I once heard somebody describe JoJo's Bizarre Adventure as pizza and I think that that's a good analogy as well. Although being a delivery boy, I do not appreciate pizza as much as I used to. <laughs> uh, but that's another story. Said- I'm glad you said popcorn because it reminds me of popcorn flicks. And I'm just going to throw this one out at you, John, just to get into our first story. Mm-hmm. Do you think Makoto Shinkai's film, Your Name, could become a good popcorn flick? I think. All right. So I, I've, I've thought about this adaptation a lot. Um, <laughs> because uh, the the news came out a couple of weeks ago that J.J. Mm-hmm. Abrams uh, of the Star Wars uh, reboot, well, not reboot, the current Star Wars trilogy, as well as the recent Star Trek reboot movies fame. Uh, Abraham Lincoln be... Vampire Hunter. 
Oh, did he Ooh. do that? Really? Yes, he did. And uh, oh. if anybody ever did a live action Phantom Blood adaptation, he's my guy. <laughs> All right. Well, he is doing the award winning film from Makoto Shinkai, uh, Your Name. Uh, and it is going to be live action. Now, I saw this movie in theaters, and the third half of the movie is a visual spectacle that has to be seen in theaters to be believed. It is a beautiful third act, this movie. When I heard that it was going to be adapted into a live action, I had a reaction. And then when I heard that it was J.J. Abrams that was probably going to be directing it, I had another reaction. Uh, How did you feel, John? So, basically... The most interesting part, I think, of of your name getting adapted is it being adapted into an American context, and um, and this is this is where you know my 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 primary you know um, field of expertise outside of out, outside of anime is it's social theory and history and um, you know current events and stuff and and basically the you know the state of our nation. The United States has so many divides um, that potential divides to be bridged in in a, a live action Your Name adaptation. So in in the the original, it's you know rural Japan versus you know Tokyo, and that's one thing. Uh, and you know, so it's like a little small town. She's the daughter of the mayor. Everybody knows each other. Um, you know, and they're able to like evacuate the whole town uh, at the uh, spoilers, uh, I guess. Um, but so, but in the United States, you can have there. There are multiple other bridges you can cross. There's race. There's are even more divisive. I, I, I'd say uh, rural versus uh, urban dynamic. Um, there's so much potential for this to be an insightful and extremely relevant adaptation, um, in my opinion. Uh, whether it's a sci-fi John, kind of spin or uh, – oh, yes? I'm going to say that you are putting expectations on this movie that are – Yeah, that are not going to be fulfilled, yeah. <laughs> that that are much higher than mine. Mm-hmm. While I see where you're coming from, I don't have a lot of faith. Because, yeah, me either. One, we all know the history with anime adaptations. We've talked I've about it hurt. ad infinitum on this podcast, and I've talked about it on plenty of others. I've been hurt, and David. I've been hurt, and I don't hurt easily. I and I hurt bad. Light Turner. <laughs> well, yeah, Light hey, Turner. Turner. He's a Page Turner. God damn it! Sure? I mean, just look at Avatar. They can't even, you know, adapt American animation well. Can I? Say- My first reaction was yeah. when I first saw this was just, this is gonna be a rom com. This is just gonna be a goofy little. American romantic comedy where we're going to see two people from two different places in America. One of them is probably going to be 
parents that have one political ideology and another political ideology and it's all gonna be so wacky and and sweet and schmaltzy i feel like we're we're already seeing exactly what this is going to be and it's going to be terrible well however how people have reacted to it in in american audiences is people look at and go oh it's so sweet no no it's not but here's the well, thing, Jack. Here's the thing. Yes. When I when we heard that it was J.J. Abrams that was going to be the director, I can't be the only one who heard that and thought, well, this kind of throws a little spice into this recipe. This, J.J. Abrams as the director, now it could actually be something interesting. Jack, what do you and, think? And, and Bad Robot Productions is on board for this along with paramount and you know they're responsible for uh the new star wars trilogy uh mm-hmm. 10 cloverfield lane the star trek uh, recent star trek film uh and super eight stuff like that like they're very very visually distinctive films is you know they don't they don't look like anything else practical effects all that kind of stuff really really nice stuff and great settings i think I think i think that they're is a chance that this could at least look very nice. However, comma, my own however, comma, I think I like your name not just because of the narrative that it has and the implications, uh, which, you know, given given my own situation, are not lost on me, uh, and the fact that it was Japan that, that uh, presented these thoughts and uh, in this particular plot... I don't know if an American adaptation would, would be as as willing to uh, explore some of the themes that they have. And the fact that it was an animated feature and absolutely we've all, you know, raved about it, it, it looks incredible, is I can't help but be a little disappointed. However, another however, comma, nothing's going to uproot the pedestal of the original release no matter what happens so i'm actually coming at this from okay when it comes out i'm not gonna i'm not gonna like be hyped on this i'm a little hyped out after my recent baby's release but um i uh you know i'm gonna just i'm gonna wait and then when the time comes and it is out there that the movie has released i will keep an eye on it but I will not seek it out. I will wait. And that's the most I think that I can offer it because I've definitely got mixed feelings myself. But I think at the very least, it could be a very pretty popcorn film. How's that for a bookend? Yeah, you know what I I was thinking of? um, One of my all-time favorite films is um, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. You, You ever seen it? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Of yes, course, of course I have. Absolutely. That was that is <laughs> the potential. The pen, potential uh, your name has a potential to make an audience uncomfortable, and but that uncomfortable, you know, that potential is not something that Hollywood will be eager to jump at. No, no, they will not. And like I said, there, there the are. But in the case uh, of J.J. Abrams, maybe they will. 
That's exactly. kind of where when I saw that he was the one and it was Bad Robot that picked this up, it was like, oh, yeah. Well, then there is that. There is is that, and I know we have uh, we have our uh, differences on this, David. Not... But I personally, sorry, Jack. I was just going to say when he's not under the confines of Disney and Lucasfilms. J.J. Mm-hmm. Abrams has shown himself to be willing to be a bit more outgoing creatively when he's not under the Disney slash Lucasfilms umbrella. And I would say even then, like, you know, I am a big fan of practical effects in live action films. I think it's a really great uh, throwback almost to stagecraft and that kind of thing, which is mm-hmm. a craft that's very near and dear to my heart. And, uh, you know, seeing what he has done, even though I am... A hundred percent purist on, okay, I watch episode four, five, and six, and that's it when it comes to the Star Wars series. Um, I, uh, I I think that he he can do a lot of great work. I know we have a little bit of a difference uh, of opinion on this, David, but I'm just worried because, because uh, I do not appreciate the way that he uh, writes female characters for the most part. Uh, Cloverfield, uh, no, he didn't write Cloverfield. I'm he he just produced Ten Cloverfield Lane, but um I don't know. I I just get a little bit uh uneasy because I think that the you know, our our uh, female protagonist in your name is, you know, very Near a dear, very yeah. fine line that a very delicate uh kind of uh you need, you need to marry the right actress, the right lines, the right everything for that, and it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough, but I I would have I have more faith in this as a project, uh, and I'm giving it the very, very lowest uh, chance that I possibly have of when it comes out. I will pay attention then, as opposed to I'm ignoring this for all intents and purposes. If it was a lesser director, so mm-hmm. that much I will say. You know, you know what um, I was thinking about when it comes to casting was uh, I was thinking about the the 1960s uh, adaptation of Romeo and Juliet and the um the story behind the the casting of the the two leads uh they were um, I saw that like in high school yeah yeah that, well that's where I first saw it and um the two the the actor actor and actress uh that p- portrayed um Romeo and Juliet were um they were like 16 or 17 years old um, they had never, they were like, I think they, they, they were, all they had done was uh theater, other theater productions. They had never been in, in, uh, a film. And, um, and so like they, they were, so it looks like you're, you're suggesting that maybe the best option here would be to get two unknown actors for something like this. Uh, perhaps. I mean, I, I mean, the the first thing that jumped in my mind was that they were going to get you know Jennifer Lawrence to play uh, Mitsuha. Well, she's she's in everything. I'm thinking so. Emma Stone. Yeah, you're right. I, I was thinking they would just grab Emma Stone and go, okay, let's put you in a you know nice nice uh, college level outfit. Like, no, I'm. You know what? You know what? The personal official APOS uh, stance from uh, Count Jack Noir here. I'm sick to death of Emma Stone. All right. The last thing I tolerated that she was in was Birdman. That's it. And DJM doesn't even recognize who Emma Stone is. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I just, the, 
did I know I was going to go on a tangent just you know she she was in she was in that goddamn uh amazing Spider-Man and the fact that they included her in Birdman made sense because they were making a commentary on superhero films but you know she's not that great she certainly can't Jack, sing yes we're going to pull back no yes. raging today we we raged plenty with Neo Yokio and now that oh, that's out yeah, of the way, still, let's let's still talk about something soul. that that you're actually enjoying or or at least looking forward to. Well, there is something that is going to soothe the savage Jack uh, from what happened for Neo Yokio, and uh, boy, if Netflix isn't going to do it because you watch Neo Yokio, here's a bunch of other anime you don't care about. Uh, there is going to be a Professor Layton TV series. Planned for 2018. 26 episodes. And oh, I got to tell you, um, we've talked about this repeatedly on various podcasts, not just APOS. Uh, but it's 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 no surprise. I've been hype for what had been under absolute silence that Professor Layton, a really excellent puzzle adventure series with heavy references and uh, lots of influence from Sherlock Holmes, uh, has had one full theatrical release and that is uh i was about to say ace attorney professor layton and the eternal diva which if you're a fan of animation if you're a fan of films and you don't mind the fact that it's a little bit more of an english almost adventures of tintin's inspired art style i say yeah. it's fantastically dubbed really great adventure and it's a nice mystery that you can in fact follow along and perhaps guess the twist to that's what i really like about a lot of the uh engaging stories in professor layton you miss out on some fun puzzles there are a few in the movie itself but that's a part of the experience as well for the game now i have high hopes for this as opposed to what happened with the ace attorney anime recounting the same goddamn case that we've seen eight times in various media uh i think that this could really uh, allow them to have a series of one-off cases like the Ace Attorney manga did that I was hoping the anime would do and much like the self-contained story that Eternal Diva was. I think also, if I can venture a little bit of a guess into what happened uh, for the production of this, is Professor Layton was actually reported to have uh, two more theatrical releases after Eternal Diva. And... We didn't hear anything about that since uh, the announcement after Eternal Diva had its English release. So I think they might have taken their, uh, they, they might have pared down their projects and decided to go with something that would be uh, a little, little bit more easier to produce, perhaps. They can downgrade the animation a little bit, although you don't really need to with the, the simplistic art style. And uh, they're going to they're gonna hopefully bring us something that will be very, very special and maybe might turn some people on to the series because that is one thing, David. The Professor Layton series is one of the few Nintendo series that I can say uh, did not get worse when it went from DS to 3DS. I, I can't say that for things like the Mario and Luigi series or, uh, or otherwise. This got... This got this remained at a level of quality that I really enjoyed, and I would very much hope to see uh, that they'll approach it with the level of class and style that the series is is known for among its fans. 
and I'm happy this is happening. Uh, do you have any thoughts, John, David? Well, it's not, it's something I've never heard of, but, um, uh, I know that the Ace Attorney adaptation is, is infamously, uh, subpar, oh, yeah. uh, but I am looking. I, I'm. I'm looking forward to uh, anything that 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 has somebody so ex- as excited as you are. Oh yeah. Um. To put a little bit into perspective, John, uh, Professor Layton is actually the top-selling third-party Nintendo series mm. uh, still. So it's done. It's done quite a lot. I think it was 7.3 million copies is what they stated in Eternal Diva. They give you a little bit of a of uh, information on it and it's pretty easy to hunt down some used copies that are uh you know relatively well priced and uh if you're not using a region locked console uh for your handheld i would say that uh try and hunt down the uk release because it's got the uh the voice actress that later on worked on to the film for the voice of luke which is Mm -hmm. professor layton's assistant and like i said anybody uh if you're familiar with Sherlock Holmes, or you enjoy the little trappings of a mystery. This is a very unorthodox and unique take on that kind of style of uh, detective work and everything like that. And he's not even a detective; he's a professor of archaeology. Oh, yeah. So, so that turns up very frequently in the plots. Actually, does ancient Layton civilization. Use a whip? Uh, does he use he a whip? does. He does not. However, he is well versed in fencing. And there are often rapier fights between him and the dastardly cloaked villain of the particular game that he's in, which is why... Are they always dastardly and cloaked? Almost always. And that is why, even to this day, I'm still a little bit salty that Professor Layton didn't make it into Smash because nobody understands who doesn't play the games that he does, in fact, know how to fight. Uh, I think it's the same production. I would like to see that. Along with John Cena, uh, I, I believe <laughs> Professor Layton could fit in Smash. John Cena and Professor Layton can be like a like a tag team character, like a, like Carl and <laughs> Carl and Ada Clover in Blaze Blue. They're both on screen like at the same it. time, use separate buttons. Uh, I like it. I'm looking forward to this a lot. I believe it's the same production company that works on the fully animated cutscenes in the games and worked on eternal diva so there isn't much for us to go on at this moment but uh i'd say in the meantime if any of you out there are curious about the professor layton series uh i'd check out eternal diva first because it gives you a sense of the characters it's fully dubbed it's excellent uh little movie you know and it won't take you as much time as to complete a game if you are interested in the gameplay and want to see how the puzzles work I was actually introduced to Professor Layton through the crossover game with Ace Attorney, and I thought that I would suffer through my dinner to get through my dessert uh, to get to the Ace Attorney segments. But as it turned out, I really enjoyed myself. I did. It was very substantial. It was excellent. So that was a good one. But also through the whole series, I'd say that either the last DS release, the last Spectre. Or the Spectre's Call, depending on uh, what release you have. Or the the Lost Future, which is what many people consider the best, most heartwarming one and most engaging story. Those two are the ones I'd recommend for those of you who are interested in maybe t- taking a look at the games. But this is, this is very fun. And I think the last thing I could say that makes me happy about this is Professor Layton 
is getting 26 episodes. They don't. Uh, that's a, that's a they don't full season. They don't often do that. They often do uh, 18, it seems. So this is very much. I'm I'm happy about a lot of things about this, and uh, you know everything's coming up, Jack. It seems. Well, that makes me happy. Not only that, but um, there, there's another show that I know that kind of caught your eye as well, right? Oh yes, absolutely. And uh, I know that John is also really excited to talk about mm-hmm. this. Is an old childhood favorite of mine, the manga, not the anime. Uh, is Cardcaptor Sakura is coming back with a clear card arc. And uh, for those of you who are maybe sitting under a rock, this is a little bit more of a uh, a grade school approach to the magical girl genre by renowned artist, superstar, Beatles, Clamp. Uh, and yes. uh, Now there's four of them. Come on. I had to make the... <laughs> yeah, no, no, no I, I agree. That's a great, great way of putting it. And... Uh, I'm curious about something, but uh, I will actually leave it to John to discuss the anime since I did just spew Leighton all over the screen. So, um, John, why don't you maybe uh, fill us in a little bit on uh, what Cardcaptor Sakura exactly is and and how you're feeling about this release. Cardcaptor Sakura is uh, by far my favorite Magical Girl series. Um uh, it depends on if you're counting Revolutionary Girl Utena as a magical girl show. I think most people do not. Um, it's just it's just a good. I mean, it's just a good show. It's about there are all these cards. She inadvertently scatters them, and they they have magic, you know, powers. Each of them, and she has to go collect them by you know, uh, and uh, and each time she collects cards, she gains the power of that card. Um, and she starts out with one card that's like the windy card, and uh, and then she has to like um, you know re re uh, you know re um, cert- she has to certify her her competency in in the last arc her her official she has to make the cards her own, um, and it's now, just this clear card arc uh, for the anime. It's starting in January. Uh, can either one of you, Jack or John, just give everybody uh, a quick idea of where this particular arc is as far as Cardcaptor Sakura goes? I know a lot of people read the manga or watched the anime back in the day. Where does this particular arc stand, if you guys know? I believe it's it's immediately... It, it, it's, uh, it's, she, right, so she was in fifth grade. Uh, at the end of the anime, and now she's in sixth grade. So it's it's pretty much. I think it's like a month or so after after the events of the uh, after the events of the anime or, or manga, the original. Uh, now my guess, and, and all, of, and, and even more important follow up question: Are you looking forward to the company Nelvana picking this up for the dub? Ooh. Mm. Oh, did that happen? Did oh, oh I'm not okay anymore. Okay, oh, well, here's here's the thing about uh about the dove for the original Card Cactor Sakura series is um I don't I don't watch it. I uh, I just read the manga because honestly, the manga's got a lot of great uh, mm-hmm. designs that you don't really get to see in uh, in the anime because uh, Sakura's best friend makes her costumes because she is weird, but it's fine. 
fine because she's a good kind of weird. It's not for any kind of nefarious purpose. She just thinks, well, if you're going to go and do magical adventures, you got to have something to look fabulous with. So she puts her sewing skills to the test, which she has plenty of time to do, and then often records the magical goings on. Uh, she's a she's a fun little sidekick that you don't get to see very often. I don't think there's ever really been anybody who's been close to her kind of character. And uh, so I just read the manga, like all 12 volumes of it. And well, uh, guys, anime, I tried let, once. I tried once. Let old DJM take you back to oh, no. uh, an earlier time when Kids WB was still around. <laughs> and there, there was a company that was just picking up steam by the name of Four Kids. And this was still around the time where... Companies in the United States and in North America decided that if you picked up an anime, you had to change their names. You had to change the characters' names and give them American <laughs> names. Jessica. And, uh, America. <laughs> Jessica. And, I remember Tomoyo was Jessica. Oh god. No, she was mm. she was Madison. Madison. Oh. Actually like Yeah. Yeah. She, I could see her being Madison. Madison. That's the one thing I remember is uh, everybody I mean, always said Sakura, and I was like, God damn it. I was in fire when we learned that fucking Japanese children's song at Sakura, but whatever. It's fine. It's not like we're fucked eternally for that for the rest but, of our but lives. It was, it was the year 2000, and us dumb American kids and our teenagers that liked anime, we didn't know all of these Japanese names. We're stupid. We're dumb, and the kids younger than us totally impossible we wouldn't know any of these names not at all oh i'm just hoping that uh, whatever it. company whatever company does pick this up well i i can say that it it will at least be better than that yeah i believe the adaptation also like cut was cut the the, the dub was also cut in half like it certainly was um there's 19 cards in the original manga series and then there are 52 in the anime to make an actual full card deck as it were and uh i believe we got 20 out of the entirety of it if i remember correctly the the bad old days were no anime finished no I have a little bit of a story, if I may. It's uh, uh, regarding my one experience with the Card Captor Sakura dub. Uh, I wanted to share somebody with somebody that uh, was very upset at the time of. There's, there's just this was po- this was pre Yuri on Ice, by the way. Not that that got any better, but they were very upset about the lack of, of homosexual relationships in anime and uh, uh-huh. Japanese media. And I showed, I wanted to show them that there was a very significant and almost explicitly mentioned relationship between uh, Toya, who is Sakura's older brother, and his classmate, who Sakura tends, has to crush on, called Yukito. And uh, Yukito. they all, they all, uh, they, everybody was really excited. It was about two or three other people who wanted to see 
this episode and I, I showed them uh, uh, one where uh, Yukito's power is fading. Uh, mm-hmm. I won't mention why, even though the article that we uh, snagged from Crunchyroll very explicitly shows uh, the true identity of Yukito. I'd still say it's worth watching. Uh, he's, he's fading because he does have a little bit of magical uh, latent ability. And Toya grabs him and yanks him closer to him and uh, over the fence and says, I know who you are. And I just turned it off and said, guess what, guys? I'm just going to tell you about it using socks because it's better than this. And I did. And it was a grand time. I don't think anybody understood, but I wanted to try and share with them what happened during that arc. And I did so with socks because it was a better choice than the official goddamn dub release. You know, Jack, if you're looking for ideas for your YouTube channel. (laughs) Anime with socks. I I got it. You can even call it Cardcaptor Sakura. (laughs) I only watched the sub. Uh, uh, That's certainly an option. I'm not one of those people, but... <laughs> oh, boy. There was one ahead, anime John. that I did watch. Sorry, yes, go ahead. Oh, no, no, you, you go, you go. I mean, I, I only watch the subs. Yeah, I was just going to say, there's only... There's, there, is a, there is a magical girl anime that I did watch sub, but that's because it never got an English release, and God forbid that it ever would have, and that was uh, Sugar Sugar Rune, which was very similar thematically to Cardcaptor Sakura, but... Um, I have good feelings overall for uh, this. So do I. I actually just recently watched some of Cardcaptor Sakura subtitled uh, in the anime club I go to. Uh, We we recently had that going for a little while, and it reminded me, because I hadn't watched or read it in a very long time, and it reminded me that, yeah, this is actually pretty good, and... I agree with you on on Sakura's sidekick, Jack mm-hmm. Tomia, yes. who is a lovely, Precious. lovely character. Absolutely, I think they're all really memorable. I also, I really do enjoy Yukito, as mentioned earlier. He takes that, uh, you know, that older man heartthrob that you typically get in these kinds of uh, stories, and and he has quite the appetite, which tends to uh, figure into a lot of great gags uh, for sure. You know, he's just sitting there and she's like, hi, Yukito. And meanwhile, he's eating an entire loaf of bread. (laughs) Like, oh, hey, how's it going, Sucker? (laughs) You look great today. (laughs) Yeah, the the cast is really fun and memorable. And uh, I think that's a tribute to... uh, to Clamp, honestly. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to this uh i don't know much about what the clear card arc has in mind but knowing the fact that uh like you mentioned earlier john she changed the initial cloud cards that she had to capture uh the spirits and the powers for into her own unique sakura cards with her own Mm -hmm. magic which took a lot out of her and uh she had to do that for every single one of them so she basically had to re-harness the ability for each card twice Mm -hmm. um Whatever the clear card arc has in store for us, I'm looking forward to it. And maybe we can get some snazzy merch for this because as I look across my desk, I actually do have uh, the box set of cloud cards that came with DVDs. I just bought it at a thrift store. I don't actually have the DVDs. I just have the the box with um, 
Kerberos on the front and uh, mm. the uh, the cloud cards on the inside. But it makes me very happy to know that you know this this is a new you know a new uh, chapter in the story of a character that we've spent a lot of time with. You know, you know what's funny. You mentioned her. You know the, how uh, changing the cards takes a lot out of her, and, and you mentioned uh, Yuki, Yukito's. Um, you know, eating. You know, they. It, it's a funny way that um, those are all parts of like. Uh, all, all those are both asked. You know, when when the cards took out a lot of took a lot out of her, she'd sleep a lot. Yes. And um, and and Yukito would eat a lot, and those are both like physical, actual, substantial parts of. You know physical growth you know having periods of time where you sleep a lot when you when you're going through a, a growth spurt or when you have to eat a lot so i always thought that was interesting um yeah they did a really good job with um the way that they frame the entire series i forgot i had a, a question i wanted to uh, pose to both of you because we're in a very we're in a very strange time for anime right now there came a time when there was a phenomenon that approached us much, much later than the release of this or Azumanga Daio, all those kinds of shows featuring a lot of female characters, a very predominant mm-hmm. female cast of characters. Uh, and we thought nothing of it then, but there came this boom uh, of something that... Uh, it's Moe. It's Moe. Mo- I, I, was, I yeah. was really hoping you were going for girls with guns. I would love for Sakura to have a gun. She probably needs one. Oh, someone's hmm. gonna try and offer. I think Tomoyo needs the gun. The gun card. And and well, now I want to see. And now I want to see a magical girl show where the the magical girl just uses a gun. That's mommy from uh, Pearl Magic Madoka Magica. I was gonna say that's Boletta or BB Hood from uh, from Darkstalkers. Which, by the way, a great thing to play at this time of year, and I certainly will. I still believe. I still believe Capcom, but my question was, uh, how do you guys feel that this might be? Uh, I mean, I think a lot of people are going to come at it from, uh, John and my perspective of, okay, this is a nostalgic thing for me. It's really great overall series. So I'm coming back to it, but what do you think of people who maybe aren't so savvy on the works of clamp or, you know, this particular series itself? How do you think this is going to reach the post-Moe boom anime community? Because I'm really curious about how that reaction is going to go down. What are you guys thinking? Anything? Don't worry. I don't think we're at risk of being put on a watch list. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I think the thing with Moe is that it was like, oh, here's cute girls for having the sake of cute girls, and then. And then as it went on, it was like, well, actually, they ought to be taken seriously. And I think we've kind of gone full circle. Um, and this is like a, it's it's shoujo. Um, I think the the direct, it's the same director, right? And he also did um, uh, Chihayafu. And uh, I haven't finished that series, but I know uh, he, he's done other shoujo stuff in 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 uh, recently. So I don't know. The, there's a there's a specific style of character design that goes with um, Moe. Um, I agree. Uh, yeah, you know the 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 slur, the Moe blobs, which gets uh, thrown around about quite a bit. Um, 
it, it, that can't pop that that could never apply to a, a clamp character design. I don't think. Yeah, I actually had a conversation about this recently in regards to everybody's favorite anime, Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid. And I actually got very heated about it because I don't like being told that I don't know what I'm talking about when I fucking went to college for character design and illustration. And the what I can say in, with regards to how it pertains to this in general is uh, there are a certain level of traits that are just pasted on to a typical anime schoolgirl mm-hmm. or female character and whether they're more voluptuous or they're smaller or younger or otherwise i think that the blanket of moe or even just you know the etchy phenomenon that happened mm-hmm. shortly afterwards is uh is very indicative of we're going to just take a, lo- a load of traits and stick them on without much thought, which is why the goddamn brainless, whatever the fuck her name is, I don't even give a shit enough, but like it, it goes to oh, show you name? how the, the giant titty dragon with the rainbow hair, the mm-hmm. weird flat top uh, horns that have two tips of it, mm-hmm. the giant tits that indicate how much, how many brain cells are working in the character designer who created her. There's just so much going on with her design meanwhile she's got the blandest face and the blandest personality because it it's all just stuff being tacked on to a face that will say lines occasionally and we all know that fafnir or whatever the guy dragon's name is is the best dragon waifu anyway but yeah i mean that's absolutely. that's beside the point i mean he'll he'll play video games with you he's a bro he's awesome yeah no i'm not I, even he, just saying that because of my sexuality he, either his, his line his line where he's like um where he's like, uh, you know, some well, humans are good. You're one of them. Uh, I love that. It's sounding it, like you guys are not too worried about a potential moification of card capture Sakura, is what I'm getting. You think, I don't think it'll get moifica- moified. I, I, definitely, I, I definitely had my concerns because the original... Uh, series, you know, she's clumsy, she's got large eyes, she definitely dresses up in cute outfits a lot. She she has more to her personality, obviously, but she has all the trappings of what people would often dub as this is a Moe character. She's always positive, wants people to be happy. She makes a cute noise when she's upset, either (laughs) or depending on what particular media you're consuming. And uh, I just get, I get my concerns because this is like my daughter. I don't want my daughter going out to school and all the kids making fun of her. You know what I mean? You, so you don't want your daughter running <laughs> off to school with a piece of toast in her mouth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. I my that. my That's kids bad. are being raised. My kids are being raised shonen. We will have no moe in this house. They can be moe after they leave when they're 18, but before that, I'm raising them shonen. And I better not hear about no etchy. Oh my god. Fuck yeah. a kid, well stay said. away from my from my nakama. I'm done. You know what's there there are two character designs that I are were part of the Moe boom that I always find interesting. And um those are the designs from Hitamari Sketch. And from Clonad. Everybody oh, makes yeah. fun of Clonad for oh, yeah. having huge eyes and being extremely bizarre. Um, but they really, 
did not, uh, but they were, you know, they were, that design was created in like 1998 for the first uh, key visual novel, uh, Canon. Um, I'm not a fan of, you know, the Canon or, or I mean, I, don't know, I have cl- conflicted feelings on. Is that the infamous one where the gal goes, Ugoo. Yeah, that's that, that's Ugoo, oh, yeah. So, goodness. so yes, yeah, Canon is Ugoo and then Air is Gao. Yeah, um, that's right. That's right. Although Air, I will say this, guys, Air's got a kick-ass anime opening. Yeah. It's uh, a cool-ass song. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's really good. That's the one thing about it. Yeah, no, I know the, the, the music for those series. Uh, Jumeda is a horrible writer, in my opinion, but he is a great composer. Um, I did actually watch Air, uh, the entirety of it, because it... I had somebody who basically was my anime dealer, and I would give him blank CDs, and he would burn three or four anime episodes onto that blank CD, give it back to me, and he'd give me random stuff. And he gave me some good stuff, like Ultramaniac, and then he gave me some not-so-good stuff, like Air and Decapo. But I watched all of it. Also, he's in the visual novel adaptations. uh, Basically, basically. But... Ultramaniac, that's another quick one. Uh, that's a, another really good unorthodox magical girl anime. And that certainly uh, had some moe elements to the main magical girl character. She spoke in third person, but it, oh. had, a, it had a story, a little bit of a story thing because she was, she was a foreigner, basically. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. I, I just worry that the, the Cardcaptor Sakura anime uh, making a, a resurgence like this is you know i i worry about what it'll do to people who aren't as familiar with it um but hopefully they will people, go back i think and a look lot of it. people will respect the franchise for being what it is and having history card capture sakura for the lack of a better term is a show with tenure yeah. it's a franchise that is long standing so i don't think that there will be anyone that deviates too far from what is already in place. And I will say that uh, the Anime News Network uh, article that we have on this does have some very promising character designs. I was worried it might take the route that the beginning uh, seasons of Sailor Moon Crystal did. Uh, visually which i i don't i don't mean to make that jab because i think that sailor moon crystal is a very excellent adaptation and uh you know it does it deserves a little less flack than it gets uh but uh, you know at the beginning it was concerning this does not concern me a lot of this looks very very good and definitely an upgrade from the animation that we had previously for it not that that was even all that bad to begin with. So I think we're in for a treat and I will be looking forward to what the clear cards could possibly mean for sure. And if you're not familiar with card after Sakura, I take a look at the legacy it's left behind because it's quite excellent. I'd say. And you don't have to watch the dub. You, <laughs> you do not have to seek out the dub. I know who you are. You don't have to do that. We don't know. Uh, okay. I mean, I thought the sub was excellent. I mean, there was quite. There's actually quite a bit of um, over. Uh, I was talking about this the other day. There's a quite a bit of overlap um, in the uh, voice casting uh, with um, the uh, Ava cast. 
I I would say check out the manga. Um, I'm sure there are plenty of places where you could uh, find either some relatively easy to obtain and cheap copies of it. It may even be on uh, Amazon Kindle. I haven't checked that because I did think about re revisiting it. But visually, they acclaim. They know what they're doing when it comes to comic composition, and I only hope to to learn. Uh, in the future about how they handle patterns and designs. And there's always a new fresh costume design for uh, Sakura to wear for each of her uh, adventures. But if you do want more cards, more adventures, more episodic situations, you want to explore the characters more, I'd say then for sure, give the anime a bit of a shot as well, because you know, you really can't go wrong with this. It is a fun series. It is. So I'm glad you guys have something to look forward to. So now we're gonna, we're gonna segue a little bit. And we bought John on the podcast because one thing that I always appreciate with John is that he's a very good conversation starter. And one thing he put in the show notes is I'm gonna, I'm gonna let him handle this one. And of course, this is the topic of anime. This is an anime podcast after all. And you'll see a lot of debate over the significance of animation, uh, animation quality, versus story, and writing, and development, and all of those things. And the ongoing debate of which is more significant, whether it's the animation of a property, or whether it's the story, the narrative, if you will. Uh, John, I'll let you go on a little bit about this. Uh, you put this in the show notes. Animation and narrative. Go ahead. Yeah. So, I I, I was reading something on, on the whole, um, uh, for, for a class recently, on uh, the nature versus nurture debate. And um, the, the, the conclusion of, of that, of that, uh, of that, um, of that uh, essay, it was called. Um, one of them was there, there were two of them. One of them called was called uh, the death of the gene. Um, if if you want to look it up, uh, it comes to the conclusion that there is a uh, what do you call it a um, dialectical relationship between the two. So, um, in in the context of the nature versus nurture debate, is you know the kind of the upbringing. Uh, decides what genes are activated in what ways and what genes are activated in what ways um, influences the, the life and, and the context. And so they, they kind of go together. Um, the, so for me, I, I was, I was applying it to animation and narrative. So, so this is the, the, the kind of example that I gave in, in the show notes. So um, studio X produces the rights to adapt white novel series. Y. Uh, Studio X has limited resources and connections, and only has a limited set of uh, options with regards, to, with regards to creative minds that they can bring on to the staff for the project that adapts LN Series Y. Each creative mind has been refined independent of my novel Series Y, uh, which they are now responsible for adapting. Uh, light novel Series Y's adaptation is determined not only by the source material, uh, but um, by the creative minds responsible for adapting the project. The adaptation's narrative is fundamentally different from the source materials because it's being filtered through these creative minds, but these creative minds are likewise being 
stylistically focused by the source material that must be adapted. Uh, okay, so just to kind of put it, put this in a little package, essentially the idea is what goes into an anime series that is that makes something what it is is it the people that are drawing it and adapting it from a light novel is it the studio and the resources is it the voice cast is it the acting what makes a series what it is is that what you're getting at yeah and i'm saying it's everything and you can't divide them because it all determines so i for the the classic example i used is studio shaft adapts the Monogatari series. And uh, they wouldn't have adapted the Monogatari series if they if the Monogatari series wasn't written the way it was, in my opinion. Uh, because it has an extremely um, unconventional uh, writing style. Nishio Eason is, is the author. And uh, Studio Shaft has an extremely unconventional uh, direction style. And uh, they the when the two come together, it's it's really a perfect match. It's a match made in heaven. Um, now I, I want to throw one out at you, then, John. Can mm-hmm. you give me an example of where there is a manga or a light novel that is written and directed in one way, and then it is adapted into an anime where it ends up? very clearly not being like the original source material at all and th- there's almost uh, even a conflict almost a- and what do you think causes such a thing where something gets adapted and it is removed from the source material yeah so my my uh, i've got a really great example uh and my fundamental idea with this is that they're different stories they're different mediums, so you really can't compare them. You know, one medium is, uh, you know, two, two different media. So a story told via a novel and a story told via an anime are going to be two different stories because they're being to- told two different ways. But I think the example I'd give uh, for you on this one would absolutely be uh, Hibike Euphonium, uh, Sound Euphonium, which is uh, one of the recent... Um, What's it called? Uh, Kyoani adaptations of a of a novel series, and the well, actually, you know what? It's it's weird because I think the the source material is very odd because so basically there's there's a this um, Yuri subtext, uh, and it's well, it's not really subtext. It's it's pretty blatant. Um, it's Yuri. Just, yeah, just say it's Yuri. It's Yuri. Well, most people say it's Yuri baiting because in the source material, in the last uh, volume, they all end up with uh, people of the opposite sex. And that's in the original source material. However, you're saying in the anime, it's just straight up Yuri. Yeah, and they haven't adopted uh, adapted that last that last uh, part of the of the source material yet. So. The big question is, and, and it's going to be adapted, the big question is, how is that going to play out? Are, is it going to get an anime original ending, or is it going to be, um, you know, how, how are they going to, are they going to, because 
with the way that anime has been directed so far, it's not even a question of whether or not it's Yuri. If you, if you watch it, it's just like the way the characters look at each other. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's they can't possibly adapt the the source material uh, truthfully the, the way it ends um, without John? being abrasive. I, I'm going to deconstruct and blow up that entire point with one word. One word that has plagued anime adaptations for, I'd say now, probably coming up on 20 years. One word. Filler. Because filler, John, Mm -hmm. is something that animation companies can use to whatever means and whatever ends they deem necessary. If Mm -hmm. they feel it necessary to get back on track with the original source material... Animation companies for the longest time now have made filler episodes. This goes all the way back to the Dragon Ball Z Garlic Jr. saga, all the way up to why people stopped watching Bleach and why people hung on bitterly with Naruto. Filler can fix a lot of things, especially when there are forks in the road with an adaptation. Yes, it might take a while to get there, but it seems like for years in anime, when it comes to adapting a manga, if it isn't an original piece of material, the manga, the animation company usually, more often than not, works and tries their best to get themselves back on track. And that is usually through filler. Mm-hmm. I mean, the way I've perceived the KyoAni adaptation of of Sound Euphonium is that it's like KyoAni waging a war against the uh, original author. Uh, but, uh, I mean, I don't know. Um, it, it, would, it, would, it would take a quite a bit of filler for me to, to convince me that, uh, that uh, things aren't the way they seem to be. Um, in the anime, uh, and there I think some long-running shonen out there, John, and they're long-running for a reason. Yeah, and I think this is not a long-running show. It's a you know, it's a, a it's two seasons of a light novel adap- uh, or of a novel adaptation. Um, I don't think Kyoani's one to like stretch their resources thin. Um, you know, the last time they did filler in 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 my memory uh i think was with um haruhi suzumiya it was the iconic uh band uh, the the concert episode mm-hmm. go on where they where they did the where they had the big performance and and she sang the songs and in the in the bunny costume uh and that's like you know one of those scenes that everybody knows uh of course, I haven't seen every Kill Annie show, um, but that's that's the big one that sticks out in my mind. Uh, now, one more thing that you threw in here, and I, I will go ahead and say we're pretty much on the same page with this. There is an ongoing debate over quality of animation 
and if it takes precedence over story. Do people watch anime and watch animation in general? Do they watch it for animation or do they watch it for the stories? John, uh, like you've said, I'm of the belief that you need both. You can't have one without the other. They go together like peanut butter and pickles. They are a combo meal. There are people that are on one end or, or the other. Um, I, I, I don't know where this debate started, really. I don't know where this idea of animation or narrative stories, uh, which one is more important than the other, started. I'm, I'm really not sure because they've always gone hand in hand, at least with the most successful and most widely praised materials out there. You can't have one without the other. Yeah, and I'd say from my point of view, my, my argument, and I think it's it's kind of counterintuitive, is that both the story and the animation are the meat. They're both the meat. They're both the potatoes. And you can't divide them into different things because the story is being told via animation. Um, and the, the way it's animated is determining the way the story is being adapted. So it's it's one and the same. I I am in complete agreement. Jack. Yes. We were yeah. just talking a little bit about the <laughs> the whole animation story debate. We're both kind of in the same boat where it's a combo meal. It is burgers and fries. It is steak and potatoes. It is peanut butter and pickles. I don't I, know where this debate started. <laughs> really. I really don't. I don't know why it's a I'd thing. be interested in seeing, but I, I'd say I really don't think that there is a reason to debate about what's better. If you think I can, I can, I, I need to experience, you know, uh, this shonen manga at its own pace, at my own pace, with no filler, little to no filler, you know, read Full Metal Alchemist, the the manga, don't watch, you know, the original series, which clearly, you know, went off into its own thing because they couldn't keep with the manga. And they, you know, subsequently had a lot of uh, filler, things like that. If you appreciate the artwork more and don't want to see, you know, uh, how distortions and uh, downgrades in production can change, you can read the manga or read the light novel. But if you want, you know, a soul experience that's going to give you, you know, an an entire... I, I think about this a lot because... We call ourselves the anime community. We don't call ourselves the manga community because uh, I think for better or for worse, as humans, we're mostly visual. We Mm -hmm. experience visual mediums. And of course, film, television aren't exclusively visual. You know, there's a lot of oral qualities, a lot of audio that has to go into it for sure. I know I don't need to tell David this, but I think that there's a big big stock in to having a a filmic or a televised uh, version of something. But I said this earlier when it came to uh, the possibility of uh, the quality of your name directed by JJ Abrams is it's not going to undermine the original story. And in the cases of some things like how the plot of 
Full Metal Alchemist, the original anime, got out of hand, in my opinion, uh, it won't decrease from the overall quality of the manga or, luckily, the fact that we got a new adaptation in Brotherhood. Uh, It really just comes down to... You know, it all culminates into a singular experience. You have the story, you have the way that you're pacing it, which is just, you know, all of these ways that, you know, uh, dozens of people are deciding how quickly are we going to tell this? What are we going to do in 22 minutes? What are we going to really spend our budget on for this week? What kind of fight scene? What kind of uh, visual effects? What kind of uh, changes or cutbacks are we going to make? And I think to assume that these things don't go hand in hand is a sign that you don't know a lot about animation because it really does have to be dictated by the story and it has to be dictated by the way that you plan on telling the story. And if I have to talk to one other person who says storyboarders are responsible for coloring, I think I'm going to scream. So I think the last thing to say about this from my end is that uh, there's a lot that goes into animating a uh, an adaptation of your favorite light novel series that you may not have an appreciation for or even an awareness of, and it all goes hand in hand. I think it absolutely is meat and potatoes, burgers and fries. Maybe even if I can make it a little bit more of an equal playing field, it's a Reese's peanut butter cup. And yeah. you can't have those without the chocolate outside and the peanut butter inside the chocolate is the animation wrapping up every bit of the story's details into a nice palatable little thing for you to crunch and enjoy while you watch jojo's bizarre adventure part one phantom blood am i right or am i right i i think you're right you watched air and and you you were saying it was it was meh right absolutely yeah so but what were the parts that kept it from being bleh? Well, here it was the would I say would it would it be the aesthetic, the kind of like it would be the aesthetic, but it was also the way that they spent their time on it. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, uh, David and myself included, think that, uh, for example, Miyazaki films can be very slow going, not always to their credit, uh, and that can seem like a visual thing but that doesn't just be included in the visual space or even the auditory space of a particular uh, anime scene it also has to do with the time that it's executed in and that comes back to the pacing and the storyboarding and the animation uh, for everything so uh, while I did not enjoy the characters of Air and Mm -hmm. I much I very much enjoyed, you know, the quiet moments where something something startling and weird visually would happen. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also a credit to the fact that the story gave it time for our main character of that to have moments where he would discuss his telekinesis or have, mm-hmm. you know, weird surreal things happen. Honestly, I'd watch those scenes and forget about the rest of the anime and be perfectly fine. And I don't think that's necessarily a separation, but I will say that people can of course enjoy something from uh, one or the other standpoint and say like, Oh, you know what? I really like the story, but I just couldn't enjoy the art. Uh, I think I would feel that way if I 
cared a little bit more about Madoka Magico, which I know is close to David's heart, is I really couldn't get oh. past the artwork. And I think I would have been willing to give really? it a little bit more of a pass if the art didn't look so ugly to me in terms of the characters' designs. Oh, so you don't like the Ume uh, Aoki character designs? She did Hidemaru sketch, too. Oh, well, I'm I'm willing to take a look at the more surrealist situation because there was just a lot narratively that I also had a problem with. But I think, you know, that kind of thing can obviously pertain from person to person of, okay, I'm willing to give this a shot because it looks like so-and-so or, you know, like people will have very vis- very strong ties to what they visually enjoy or even narratively what they enjoy. If I told David, David, there's this anime that's coming out where everybody has dots for eyes, but uh, they're they're climbing into mechs and and talking about the human condition. He'd probably be like, you know, I think I can get behind this because <laughs> um, I, I would except- <laughs> use I would use the word that I always use and say I'm intrigued. Yes, mm-hmm. but if I was to come to him and go, David, there's an anime where everybody's got dots for eyes and uh, they're they're gonna go and uh, eat chili for 24 episodes. David might not be so intrigued. And so it comes down I'd be to intrigued you. if they're going to spend 24 <laughs> episodes eating chili. Well, uh, I've got news to you. My kickstarted IP chili eater walkie dokie is uh, <laughs> it's just been funded completely. So, no. Congratulations, uh, it comes down Jack. To- I'm very happy for you. <laughs> I'm looking everybody's, forward to that. Everybody's favorite uh, you know, preferences in terms of visuals or story will give them their own uh, reasons for watching it and you can obviously separate these things and go wow you know I really liked the look of Sailor Moon but I couldn't get into uh, you know the 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 p- pacing of the story that was episodic monster of the week in the anime maybe you'd go and you'd read the manga instead it's all different kinds of factors but at the end of the day an anime itself is made into an anime because it has the potential to be converted into that very meticulously paced animated and uh you know composited experience Mm -hmm. in space and time so i would uh I i would say that in the words of Forrest Gump, that's all I have to say about them animes. Join join us next time when Forrest Gump is our guest. <laughs> I think I think it's it's wonderful that the prospect of a twenty four episode series about eating chili is totally reasonable. Mm-hmm. I think so sure. too. It's sure, it's perfectly it it's perfectly suited to the way that these I'll characters. Put it this way going to experience their arcs of how they each have a different preference of chili how hot do they like I, it how chunky I does somebody eat vegetarian chili if this were an anime starring cute anime girls eating chili for 24 episodes yeah even if it was on a primetime slot and it had a production ig backing and budget and all of those things i probably wouldn't watch it what if what if it what if Chili gave him superpowers? Well, <laughs> no, no, no. You don't even have to worry about that because they're because they're uh, dots for eyes. Oh yeah, <laughs> the dots for eyes really kills it, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it it the, that's that's what I chose to go for yeah. visually because the dots you see represent the beans that go into the chili. So everything visually is being upheld 
by the overall backbone of the narrative. You've got which this is all copyrighted, the chili. Jack, right? You've got this I mean, all copyrighted. Are they big really robots? All right. Good. Are they, are they like... We might even... <laughs> We might even break 50k and uh, reach the uh, the stretch goals for them to have an OVA where they uh, oh you know where, where they it, eat dessert. At the end of every episode, you have to have the characters explain the chili that they ate and the recipe for it. You have to do that. At oh the yeah, end of every episode. Uh, <laughs> I tie a lot of influence from Kitchen Princess, and at the end of every chapter, they they have the recipe for uh, the particular recipe they use in the manga and i'm certainly going to have them demonstrate through colorful adorable chibis thus with the dot eye still remaining that they will explain to you how to make each delicious chili for each weekly episode (laughs) all right well i'm in the mood for some chili i don't know about anybody else but before we go do that I want to thank John Clark for coming on the anime podcast of some sort. This was a fantastic discussion. John, let everybody know what you've got going on and where we can find you. So uh, I'm on Twitter at Senpai Notes, S-E-N-P-A-I-N-O-T-E-S. I also have a uh, my own little blog that I have keep updating every once in a blue moon. Um, hopefully... That once in a blue moon will be soon because I'm, as we mentioned earlier, I am really enjoying this this season, and so I hope to um, be broadcasting my thoughts uh, on 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 the current season every once in a while via the uh, this medium, the blog, and it's uh, senpinotes.com. Same same spelling. That's senpinotes.com. And, John, we can follow you on Twitter at senpinotes. Yep. Senpai, not senpai. Yeah, not senpai. N as in Nancy. N as in Nancy, indeed. And, you know, he's... He's a lot of fun. And I want to thank you, too, because I think this was a lot of interesting points that we don't often get to go into about the overall implications of anime as a medium so thank you thank you honestly i think he's well thank you i i mean i the opportunity was a wonderful one and i'm i'm thankful that that you guys uh presented it to me indeed right everybody follow jack on twitter jack is doing some great stuff for inktober at jack d oh yeah tyler d Please, please check out my Inktober. I am working really hard, and I, I am almost at the halfway point. Uh, to tomorrow and the day after will be about the halfway point of drawing a comic page for an entire month, and not just any month, but a month with thirty-one days in it. I am working my little tail off because I want to show you guys a really good time. <laughs> Can I show you? Well, my, uh, how to get ahead in life is, you know, it's it's been a long time coming. It's it's a lot of fun, a little low maintenance, little comic project, and you might just find some workplace or even interpersonal allegory in the stories. Otherwise, you'll just find some silly jarheads that you know I like to doodle. So either way, please check it out because I'm working really hard on it, and I would love to hear your feedback. Uh, as I continue to slave away each day on this, uh, well, I'm slaving away, but it is a it's a happy slaving away. So you know, I'm whistling. It's a labor I'm watching of love. Well. It's a labor of love. Absolutely. So please, and please, please check that out. Follow Jack 
at Jack D Tyler D. Thank you. Thank you indeed. And Hey, and, if you enjoyed yes. this podcast, yes, it, it's time, Jack, the, the band is playing. Yes, it's time. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe in iTunes. Give us the old five star review. If you feel so inclined, get it in front of the eyes of a few other people. Check it out at DeltaJulietMike.com, Stitcher Radio, the RSS feed. If you have a certain podcatcher of choice, it's all there. Just look for anime podcast of some sort. Join the A Posse, won't you? We'd really appreciate it. Thank everybody so much for listening. We'll talk about cartoons next time. I'd say this podcast was a knockout. Ding, ding.